0: Down the Sidelines And now, representing the Michigan Wolverines and the West Virginia Mountaineers You may know them as Yoko and I'm a Beast It's Peter Spasia and Joel Orndor Welcome back to the Gridiron I'm Peter And I'm Joel And Down the Sidelines is a sports podcast that debates and predicts the latest in the athletic world
1: we are part of the Show Me Your News Network, and this is the first episode of
0: the podcast on August 29th, two thousand twelve. First episode, indeed. Well, we did have the prediction specials uh, mm-hmm. just earlier this past week. And that was, you know, predicting the NCAA football and NFL seasons, and those went pretty well. Good test of the chemistry here. But we're here for our first episode proper. So, do you want to gently explain like how the show's going to go? All right. um... Well,
1: first off we'll have um we'll discuss like, you know, our top three sports stories of the week. Um and the way that's set up, it's set up like a uh the red zone. So you're gonna be starting on the twenty yard line and you'll have your first story, then you'll get to the ten yard line, you'll have your story of a little more importance, and then when you get to the five, you have, you know, the, the top story or whatever that you wanna talk about.
0: Mm-hmm. So then from there, we'll go into... Typically, we'll go into the replay. And that'll be for future episodes because we'll discuss some of the games that happened in the previous week, some of the predictions that we Mm -hmm. made. If any of them came true, if any of them were proven wrong, that will be the section where we'll review them in the replay. But from there, it is the pick six, the key prediction element of the show that we're going to be basing things off of. We get to pick six games from the sports weekend for this week since it's going to be the ncaa football week one six college football games right there for you so we'll explain how to do that when we get there and then you'll also have the extra point we're also going to talk about how we represent a school for example i represent the university of michigan and i represent the university or wvu university West Virginia University, that's right. Um, So we'll talk about how you would represent a school, and we'll talk about how you can join our forums, join with other fans of the podcast and part of the Show Me Your News network, fans of that network uh, that I help run, and we'll talk about how you can make the extra point whether you pick your represented team's games or just a game that we'll select for you. It sounds complicated, Mm -hmm. we'll have it make a lot more sense when we get there. So, Joel, let's start off in the red zone. What story do we have at the 20-yard line?
1: Uh, we are going to talk about the Red Sox-Dodgers blockbuster deal.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: they uh, Basically, it's a large deal between the two teams um, because, you know, the the Red Sox felt like
0: they needed to make a move with some of their players. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, we're talking about Major League Baseball here, and... The Boston Red Sox have you know, had a couple championships in the past 10 years, mm. but this year, after, the ba- after a bad year last year, they fired Terry Francona, their manager, who led them to those titles. And now they have Bobby Valentine, who's an old manager from you know, a couple decades ago. He was an analyst for ESPN, but now there are a lot of rifts between the team. They had signed big contracts, and in quite the surprising deal after the trade deadline, they more or less dumped these deals... To the Los Angeles Dodgers. Mm-hmm. Now they, you know, the Dodgers did give up uh, four draft picks or four prospects—not really draft picks, but their prospects in their farm system—and first baseman James Loney. But Boston is sending pitcher Josh Beckett, first baseman Adrian <laughs> Gonzalez, outfielder Carl, Carl Crawford, and second baseman utility man Nick Punto. I mean, Nick Punto's a serviceable second baseman or infielder, that's for sure. But those are big deals. It's a total of two hundred and sixty-one million dollars. Two hundred sixty-one million that the Red Sox are dumping as far as contracts onto the Dodgers. Dodgers are paying big bucks. They want to win now. Yep. And what do you think of the move? I mean, you you see these kind of things now, though. I mean,
1: there's just there's so much money in the sport, and um, I don't know, I. I want to say that I'm, like, surprised in a way, but uh, I'm not really shocked with anything that you see now. Um, you know, teams want... I mean, when they decide they want to make a move, they make a move and they make giant, huge deals. I mean, it's just... For, I mean, you could relate it to, some, you know, what we saw in the NBA. Um, mm, yeah. That's... And, you know, that might have surprised some people, but really... That again, there's just so much money in these sports and these teams have so much that um it's not surprising to see crazy
0: deals that you would never would have thought of before. Um but um well, yeah, I mean baseball is the last major sport left that doesn't have a salary cap. I mean that's the yeah, big yeah, thing exactly. here because <laughs> other leagues have you know teams that are set at you know caps that they can only spend and if they go over that they have to pay some penalties. But baseball, the spending is unlimited. I mean, that's why the New York Yankees are so good every year, because they aren't afraid to spend so much money on their players. And now mm-hmm. the Los Angeles Dodgers uh, recently were bought by a conglomerate group, uh, you know Magic Johnson, a former NBA player and Hall of Famer, mm-hmm. is a part of that group. They want to you know become a player as far as those big spenders. Um, now, they did have really mixed reactions. I mean, Adrian Gonzalez, who those coming from the video game knowledge may know as the cover star of MLB 12 The Show for PlayStation 3. So mm-hmm. he's not wearing that uniform anymore. Uh, his first at-bat, he hits a home run for the Dodgers. And then Josh Beckett, his first start, did not go so well. I mean, he no. got he got shelved a little early, but it was mostly the bullpen. They lost like 10 nothing on that game, but I think he only gave up about 300 runs or so. Yeah. Uh, so it's kind of a mixed bag. But this is still a, a big mover and shaker. Uh, I think the Red Sox are going to be really reloading Uh, Next year, I I would not be surprised to see Terry Frank or Terry Franco. Am I talking about? (laughs) Uh, To see Bobby Valentine fired at the end of the year because they've been having those disputes, uh, and the owners have his support for the rest of the year. But past that, the fan base could get to them. Yeah, and uh, and that's a rabid fan base. That really is. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, when we kind of discuss out, you know, kind of think through the issue here, the big story. We like to make the play, as it were, make a prediction, because everything about this show and down the sidelines is about prediction. We can look like geniuses, or we can look totally stupid, and that's actually more unlikely. What's going to happen is because sports is unpredictable. So, as far as making the play goes, we want to. I want to ask you, Joel, and I'll ask, answer mm-hmm. the same question as well. Do the Dodgers make the playoffs this year? And if so, how far do they go? Well,
1: uh, let's see uh what's their standing right now i need to check that
0: right now there are three games back in the nl west uh and that's with you know you about a a month of the season still to go let me see the wild card here as my internet loads right now there are two games back in the wild card so Mm -hmm. it is within reach it's certainly not out of the realm of possibility to make the playoffs but they do have some work to do, and that's where they're hoping that these, you know, movers and shakers will help them. Although I mean, Carl, yeah. Carl Crawford, I believe, was asking for uh, surgery, Tommy John surgery, Ooh. before he left, so he may not be accessible to the Dodgers. Mm. So keep that in mind. Well, um, I
1: mean, they certainly brought in talent and um, you know experience. Um, those guys. I mean, I, I think if they. If, I think if they can make it there they'll do okay but it's just the problem like getting there um Mm -hmm. um I don't really see them doing it this year um because like I I know that honestly like the main reason that they made that move is because they want you know they want things now that's why they made a huge move um but uh there's a lot to be said for chemistry, too, mm-hmm. on teams. And, um, you know, you just bring... Even even if you bring in some, you know, great players right away, there's always that adjustment period. Right. Where they've got to adjust to everyone that they're playing with. And um, I think I just... Um, even though it's possible, I just don't see it happening this year,
0: but... Interesting. Well, I mean, this is the first year that baseball is implementing their new playoff system. So mm-hmm. they're adding two wildcard teams... With the three division winners, so the first round is the two wild card teams would play each other, mm-hmm. you know, in a one game playoff, I believe, as opposed to last year was just the one wild card and they would have the four teams and that makes it easy for brackets and all that. Uh, but I do think the Dodgers make the playoffs. I think they make mm-hmm. the wild card. Uh, I okay. would wager and say maybe the second wild card they you know squeak in there.
1: Yeah,
0: and the National League is kind of fishy how it's standing right now. I mean. Mm-hmm. You have Washington and Cincinnati battling out for the best record in baseball. Wow! I, I mean, who would have thought something like that? That's, that's crazy. Uh, Washington thinking about shutting down Steven Strasburg, their star pitcher, in a couple of more starts because, you know, he's a young arm. They don't want to tire him out. Uh, I see the Dodgers getting to the division round, so winning that wild card game, but mm-hmm. not going further than that. Yeah, um yeah i i mean it's certainly
1: possible, and that makes it a lot easier for them to get in with that second wild card spot um, um, i don't know i, I think that um th- this move will eventually help them a lot um oh in
0: the long run absolutely oh, yeah. yeah um except they have to yeah, if they if they're willing to spend the money and keep spending it, then that's their choice but yeah i mean this is not a problem that can like hurt you you know like you know the n h l where you had minnesota sign zach parise and ryan Souter for the tune mm-hmm. of you know about a hundred million a piece over their years of their contract so yeah
1: um it's so, definitely it's a move
0: it is a move indeed i especially um, after the trade deadline you wouldn't expect something yeah, like that
1: that's that's why i just i didn't even notice it at first and <laughs> then i then i
0: saw it and i'm like whoa,
1: that's oh huh.
0: it, it is substantial uh, moving on to the ten-yard line here for our second of three stories across the sports world, um, Lance Armstrong. You may know him for like the Livestrong bracelets, or you may mm-hmm. know him as the cyclist. Um, it has, you know, he's he's faced drug tests for years because they could not believe his claim to fame and record that he holds of seven consecutive Tour de France titles. Yeah, it's because cycling is so prevalent in the sporting world. So, you know, the different organizations, you know, the USADA have been trying to, you know, say like, oh, you you must have cheated, especially maybe since you came back (laughs) from cancer and no person could have done this. There must be, you know, doping and performance enhancing drugs. And your teammates have done that. You know, that Floyd Landis guy who won after you and he was a cheater. So you, you must have cheated. Well, Lance Armstrong has never given or turned in a negative drug test. Yep. And despite this the usada has claimed that he uh lance armstrong will be banned from cycling Mm -hmm. for life and his tour de france titles are stripped from him
1: and you know um it's it's uh i mean it's always on a much grander scale but does does it not kind of uh Make you think of that little discussion that they had during the Olympics with the um, the one swimmer, the woman, Hmm. who who I guess she um, decreased her time by like an ridiculous amount in one year, like and I think in one year since the last championships, Mm -hmm. and she just crushed everybody. I mean, she was she her her uh, times were just as good as some of the men's in that, um, in that particular, I can't remember which race it was in swimming, but everybody automatically assumed, um, and accused her of, um, you know, before she even had a chance to do her drug tests. And of course she did them and they were fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, it was just, it's just something that like you see. And, and the thing is like a lot of people would say, Oh, well, you know, if, Coming from our side of looking at it, a lot of people would say, oh, if an American woman did that, nobody would say anything (laughs) or whatever, which is a whole nother issue. But I just thought that, like, that's something that recently happened, you know, because we just had the Olympics that this kind of reminded me of. Obviously, this is a much grander, greater scale um, because we all know who Lance Armstrong is. And um, he I mean, he's brought a lot of attention, especially in the United States to the sport of cycling. That probably wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for him. Right. Um, so, I mean, he means a lot to the sport.
0: And so, for him to not be part of the sport is a really big deal. Yeah, and it's also a sign of the times when, you know, people are talking and thinking that way because baseball is, you know, big on performance enhancing drugs and steroids and all that. And mm-hmm. you know, it has been an issue in cycling. Um, you know, Lance Armstrong, part of the story is that he's not fighting the charges. He says, quote, I have been dealing with claims that I cheated and had an unfair advantage in my in winning my seven tours since 1999. The toll this has taken on my family and my work for our foundation and on me leads me to where I am today, finished with this nonsense. Mm-hmm. So he's not going to fight it. Some people see that as, oh, well, he's not denying it. Therefore, it he must have cheated. Yeah. And I don't see that. I mean, you see like all the good he has done for people. Yeah. Through his story, he's been an inspiration to cancer survivors everywhere, and yet you know people in public opinion want to vilify him for never failing a drug test and it's It's almost I get the impression of this as a witch hunt it's I consider it unfair and um you know all the best to Lance Armstrong whatever he does in the future because he's he's done great things. Uh, no one, I don't think, will ever come close to winning seven tours in a row, much less seven tours, period, in their career. Um, he's he's done something remarkable.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, just like the whole issue with, oh, Barry Bonds and yeah. you know steroids, blah, blah, blah. I mean, it was an era, but you think of the skill that it takes to hit a baseball, much less to hit it with that kind of power for a home run record... Yeah. That's still something remarkable. Mm-hmm. Whether or not you were you know, stronger, or faster, or whatever. Even, and it was part of that quote-unquote era. You've still got to practice, you've still got to train, you've still got to... I'm not condoning the usage of it, but no. like when you, a lot of times you see that it's like, oh, it's recovered recover from injuries faster because they have to make their living or they want to get back to doing what they're doing. Or you have the people who make ridiculous excuses. But uh, Lance Armstrong has done a lot of good. And I think to vilify something like that, uh, plus, who the hell cares about cycling? (laughs) Honestly, does cycling want to, do they think that they're putting themselves up on a higher pedestal in a greater sense of cultural relevance by doing this?
1: If anything, it'll make a lot of people not
0: interested in it. Um, because you know, not a lot of people care about the Tour de France anymore. I know I don't. I remember caring about what was happening. I was traveling to Germany. I'm like, oh, I'm close the tour. I'm going to check each day in July mm-hmm. when this is happening over 20 race or 20 uh, you know days or whatever. I want to see if Lance Armstrong can continue his streak. I didn't think about performance-enhancing drugs.
1: Oh yeah, much
0: less unproven tests.
1: Um, you know, great everyone wants to see great players of sports um they want to see people that are really good at the sport and um the same could be said for i mean ha- i mean in the in, i want to say like before, okay before michael phelps was swimming um in the olympics i'm gonna just take a wild guess to say a lot of people didn't watch swimming Mm-hmm. um Compared to how many started watching once he, you know, just took it by storm. Um, people, you know, they they like, those people are inspiring. Um, because they, they're they doing great things. And it's, you know, it's something that you can easily just watch and see. And uh, generally they're all pretty, you know, decent people too. And there's someone that you could look up to. And so I'm sure there's a lot of people that look up to Lance Armstrong. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, I, in in the way where he's kind of bowing out, he's, he, I think he's trying to be as graceful about it as he can be. Right. I mean, he's not going to argue it and drag his family through it and his friends and just make it, you know, really messy.
0: I mean, he's, so, he's been out of the sport for a while. It's not like he has anything to gain no. by fighting it, but he's still going to be known for that, whether or not he actually... "Quote unquote" has the titles by you know the official mm-hmm. you know, standards or whatever. Um, I even read a blog about how you know it's possible like maybe Hank Aaron was using you know, steroids back in their day. Like it's not like you know drugs are a new invention, mm-hmm. but you know it wasn't an era where people were looking to test and vilify these kind of things. So yeah. I, I think it's just more of a reflection on where we are right now in sports, particularly sports where these kinds of performance-enhancing drugs would have that kind of impact. Yeah. That said, let's make the play. Does public opinion over Lance Armstrong change in the next year because of this, and how so? I say it doesn't. I just don't think people care enough about cycling to see Lance Armstrong as a bad guy because of this. Uh, I still think you know he's been enough of, like we said, of a source of inspiration because of this. He does work with his uh, foundation... And it's mostly just because cycling sucks right now Mm. and no one cares. Yeah, I, I'm going to go ahead and say, you know,
1: I, I don't think it, I mean, there may be a few people here and there that, you know, take the opinion, like you said, where, oh, he's not saying anything. So this and that, but not that many people follow cycling And those are very, you know, a very small group of people that are going to be saying that, having that opinion. And again, since he wasn't even, you know, racing anymore, the people that, you know, are involved and really interested in cycling, they probably don't even really care either. And, um, you know, it's about, a lot of times it's about like what you do with your life. And he did a lot with his life, a lot of positive things for people um a lot of things that he didn't have to do um and he had it i mean he went through a very tough time cancer is hard mm-hmm. it doesn't really matter what kind it is and he inspired many people and i really don't think for you know for all the things he did that this little this little comment by by the the people will you know really change anyone's opinion and uh, I mean, it's for a number of reasons. I mean, it's because of you know what he did, how he was an inspiration, and again, it's just cycling is not a you know a sport that has a huge following, um, and so I I I think that uh I think I think that people's general opinion of him will pretty much stay the same.
0: Mm-hmm. All
1: right, how about we get to the five yard story. All right, Um, the the five yard line is story is um, NFL confirms replacement officials for Week One of the NFL season, and um, for those that don't know, um, the the NFL has been using replacement officials um, because there is a um, there's a there's right now there's basically a. A standstill. Nothing's really happening between the negotiations between um, the the like the officials union and um, the you know the NFL. So they they basically. Well, I mean, you you can go in a little bit more detail if if you want to a little bit more. Uh,
0: sure, it's it's a labor situation. dispute. It's just you know not between the players union. It's the same. It's between the officials union mm-hmm. uh, and the National Football League. You know the most powerful sports league on the planet they make you know money hand over fist yeah and yet they have still decided to lock these officials out who by the way let's make this clear to be an nfl official that is not your full-time job these people have professions in the off season because i guess they have to you know make some other form of you know payment even though NFL football is, you know, one of the hardest sports to actually call accurately. Yeah. And they just don't make enough money to sustain a living, apparently. They haven't really said, you know, how much they make. But the fact that, you know, these people, they could be principals. They could be accountants. You know, whatever they do, they go back to their real, you know, daytime jobs outside of the NFL season, which I'm sure for that time they're nicely compensated and all. Yeah. But still, the NFL doesn't necessarily want to make them full-time officials. Uh, their contracts are up, and there is a labor dispute going on, much like how we've had seen leagues with the players, you know, be locked out. So, yeah, they've they brought in replacement officials for the preseason. On on the whole, it's been awful and embarrassing. Uh, these officials have either missed calls. They've had you know little conferences to try to get calls correct and then they don't they are slow they don't really manage a game properly like you know some officials and you know i miss ed hockley like out of all people yeah but the strike is going on not really strike this lockout is going on long enough that the nfl has to use these replacement officials that have been the story of the preseason because of how bad they are yes in the regular season, where the games count and games matter, I mean, uh, if if you want, I could actually give a quick example. Sure.
1: Um, for for those, even for those that are like not as familiar with the sport of football, mm-hmm. um, basically, you know, you can only have a certain amount of players on the field at one time. Mm-hmm. Um, eleven. You know, yeah, you can only have eleven players, and um, so if you, let's say. The the defense has twelve players on the field. Well, that is a pre-snap penalty. It's so, legal. Yes, basically means the play shouldn't happen. Well, like they they should probably just you know call it right away as soon as they seen it. Um. So there was a play um, that I saw. I believe Tennessee was playing. I can't remember who they were playing. Um. And Um, the offense, you know, snapped the ball. The defense clearly had 12 players on the field and they, you know, they ran the play and the offense got called for holding. So they didn't call the, um, 12, you know, 12 man on the field, um, before the play. So what these officials did was they called it offsetting penalties so basically the offense got called for holding and the defense got called for too many men on the field. They call it off setting and nothing happened on the play. What should have happened on that play is the defense should have been penalized before the, you know, before the play even happened. Mm -hmm. Yet they created a whole new circumstance, which isn't even possible in the game. And it, it was really interesting because, um, during some of these preseason games, they actually have a real official up in the booth with them telling them what should be
0: happening. Yeah. I mean these these are officials from, you know, old forgotten leagues like the XFL or you know the UFL. They also may do division 3 college football. Yep. This they're not meant for the big time and yet they're bringing in these officials that are so inexperienced by comparison to what they're used to
1: there there was a player that commented that um one of the officials was talking with the others and um he said uh they're asking him where he had you know officiated before and he said um high school games oh god so and i and, and the player didn't even know what to say <laughs> when he heard it yeah. so i i think um that's something to worry about, um it really is because you know games get so close sometimes, and they they do sometimes come down to calls at the end of the game and um you know in this this business where it's you know teams are making so much money and you know they've got to win each week, and it gets a game is a difference between the playoffs and not the playoffs, even if it's early in the season um That'll be something that everybody should watch um closely because mm-hmm. there is a very good chance that it you know it could
0: cost a team a game
1: or two if something is not called correctly.
0: I I would not be surprised to see something like that happen just in the first week, period. Um you know, NFLPA, which is the players association, uh Demora Smith, the their executive director, uh has been pretty vocal about this, saying how absurd it is. And that you know that it's a safety issue for the players which in a way it is but he's all even gone to the extent of saying that you know the players should go on strike mm-hmm. because of this that is ridiculous back to that business um, and you don't want that again <laughs> with the NFL especially when it is so close to the season it starts in ten days and I think a strike of the players because of something like this. It is a bit of an overreaction, but this is a really serious issue mm-hmm. uh you want you know these trained professionals who have done this for a living at this level to, the n f l makes so much money just give them what they want has roger goodell he's seen he things that they'll you know do a you know competent job he's con- they'll do a very credible job that he's confident in there have you seen what the story is out of the preseason? it's not good. Pay the damn refs. Come on. At this point, let's make the play on this one. In which week do we think the regular officials will return to work these NFL games?
1: I wonder if we should have like an asterisk beside it and like have which week do we want them to return?
0: Oh, <laughs> well, you can give both. Sure. Uh,
1: I, you know, that, you know, they're saying that they're confirmed for week one. So I hope week two. But mm-hmm. I, I mean,
0: as I think soon agree
1: as with they that, yeah. possibly get them, um, because it is a really big deal. And then, you know, I mean, it, you can't go the whole season like that. You just can't. And um, there, uh, it's it's not going to be good football to watch if that's what you have to deal with. Um, you you want people that are good at their jobs. Uh, this, this is like professional football, so you should have. People that are, you know, real professionals at that job. Um, people that are, you know, used to doing high school football games, that's completely different. Um, I have friends that do that. So,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, I don't know. What What do you think?
0: Well, I, I, I first want you to give me a number. Give me a number when you think it'll happen. You gotta oh, put, oh, put it, oh, it in oh, stone, lock the pick oh, Okay, down. I'll say week two week two you think it'll yeah. really happen in week two because it'll be just so bad in week I, one
1: i think that it has to happen mm-hmm. um i i think they'll they'll have complaints from every single team yeah um because there's no way it's going to vastly improve once you get into real game situations because the, again preseason games are like games but they're not games right um players take them completely differently coaches take them completely differently
0: yeah you're not playing you're, all you're your going to have
1: coaches flipping out um, which is not good
0: right so we, i am going to say week 6 okay. uh the nfl can be very stubborn when it comes to these things despite you know they are the most powerful league in professional sports in the world and they make so much money billions billions of dollars and yet they can't pay the salary of some of these officials. Maybe even make them full time. They do really have one of the hardest jobs in officiating, mm. and it's a shame that this is happening. Uh, I think th- this will pr- press on for way too long. So I'm saying week six, but you're absolutely right. I hope it's week two. Uh, this this story needs to go away. Yeah. But yeah. I unfortunately don't think it will.
1: They they just um. It can't go on, and um, I don't think anybody wants to to see it go on. Um, so hopefully they do the right thing. I know it's kind of hard when you you know you want to be a little bit greedy. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's they are that's absolutely. What it is. Um, but um, I don't know. It it it's something that worries me. And honestly, there were a few of there were a few preseason games i watched that i had to turn off the tv because
0: yeah
1: i just I, I i didn't when you see a call made uh when you don't see a call made or you see a call made that you could do yourself you start to worry a little bit especially right. when it happens three or four times in one game mm-hmm. but
0: absolutely true well it's from this point where we cover the three stories here in the red zone we're getting close to the goal line so it's time for the replay and, well, we don't have anything to replay. We don't have any footage to replay, as it were. don't have anything to look over, but in future weeks we will. This will be a part where we you know, discuss, you know, what happens, because we're about to make our picks yep. in the Pick 6 segment. But before we do, let me describe you know, what is generally going to happen here. Uh, on the Show Me Your News network forums at showmeyournews.com slash forum, we have a section for our show down the sidelines, and we have a couple sticky threads there. One is a thread I made called "How to Predict and Why," and so I'm let me try to summarize these really quickly for you. First, you know we've, we talked a little bit at the beginning of the show about the represented team. Uh, this is a, a team that you'll you know take through you if you decide to you know help participate in predictions and you want to try to see if you will predict games better than us or better than the rest of the fans of the show but first you have to have a represented team uh if you live in the united states and you attended a university that has a division one fbs football school now we put a list of those schools you know this is the division one fbs uh we put a list of those schools on a wikipedia page in that thread the how to predict and Why" thread Mm -hmm. um but if you live in the united states and you attended one of those schools in your undergraduate college career or if even if you don't, or if you lived, uh, or, sorry, if you didn't live in the United States, but you attended one of those in your undergraduate college career, this is the team that you represent. Mm-hmm. So, for example, both Joel and I, we live in the U.S., and we went to the schools that we represent. I graduated from the University of Michigan, and he uh, from West Virginia University. Mm-hmm. So, this is, these are the teams that we represent because they are part of the FBS division of Division I NCAA football schools. Now, if you live in the United States and you attended a university that does not have such a football program, or if you're still in high school or you didn't attend a university, you should pick a school of these football programs that lives or that is located closest to you geographically in the same state that you live. Mm -hmm. So let me give an example of my brother, Sword Hunter. We uh, live in a suburb of Metro Detroit in Michigan. Uh, And we live about 56 miles or so from the University of Michigan. Well, we also live about 53 miles or so from Eastern Michigan University, which also has a FBS football program. However, I've added the discrepancy that if there is a difference of 10 miles between two of these supposed schools, and these are the closest ones that are in our geographic vicinity, by the way, If there's a 10-mile difference like the 53 and 56 miles, then you get to pick who you represent. So I believe, you know, Sword Hunter will be also representing the University of Michigan, even though he did not go there. Mm -hmm. It's because it's closest to us geographically in the state that we live in, in Michigan, uh, based on this pick. With this 10-mile discrepancy that we determine as negligible. Now, if you live outside the United States, if you're in Canada, Mexico, across the pond, anywhere in the world... And you did not, you know, attend one of these North American uni- or American universities. Uh, pick any team. We have the list there. You could pick, you know, based on mascots. You could do a random number generator. Really, any team. If you want to represent it, have at it. But you have to stick with that team. Now, did, uh, I'll continue discussing how these <laughs> these lines work. Uh, so we're going to talk about you know these different picks, and we'll have a game. Let's say. We have Ohio at Penn State and a negative ten and a half line. Now, the second listed team is the home team. So if it's Ohio at Penn State, Penn State is the home team. The number in the parentheses is the point spread that you're looking at as the over-under. So the the spread of points between the teams. So if Ohio at Penn State minus ten and a half, uh, Penn State, well, the the difference between the teams would be a projected ten and a half points. Even though there really isn't a half point in football, but we'll get to that. Yeah. Now, a negative number in that parentheses means that the home team is projected to win by that number. Ohio at Penn State, negative 10.5, means that the home team, Penn State, listed second, is favored by 10.5 points. If it were a positive number, that means the away team is projected to win by that number. If it were Ohio at Penn State, plus 10.5, that means Ohio the away team is projected to win by 10.5 points. Now we're going to use USA Today's Covers.com opening odds to uh, supply these lines, but you will not be picking the winner or loser of this game. It's, it's a little more complicated than that. While you could use you know, sports knowledge to you know pick these lines and all that, it really could be just a 50-50 choice or whichever sounds better to you. The sports knowledge is not required. You want to get involved as many people as possible, uh, to you know kind of join in this friendly competition, but you won't be picking just winners and losers. You're gonna be picking the line if the spread will be covered. So if Ohio at Penn State minus ten and a half, if you pick Penn State, just you know just say I, I pick Penn State, that means you think Penn State will beat Ohio by more than, but not equal to ten and a half points that they will cover the spread. Uh if you say Ohio as the underdog, if you're picking them, that could mean that you think Ohio will pull an upset and beat Penn State by whatever margin. Or it means that Penn State will win by less than and not equal to as the favored team. Less than but not equal to ten and a half points. They will not cover the point spread. It may sound complicated. We have, you know, a thread we can ask questions. Uh, but you know, feel free to sign up. And our first week of picks uh, end this Thursday. You know, we're recording on Wednesday at 7 p.m. That's when the first game starts. So I'm gonna try to release this episode soon. Uh, but you know, we'll try to get as many people as we can within the first third of the season. Because after then, well, I mean, let's think about why would you want to participate? You could become the champion, as far as you could, you know, pick the games better than both Joel and I. You could pick better than anyone else who participates. And if you start participating in the first third of the season and, you know, beyond and you're the best around, <laughs> nothing's going to ever keep you down. Uh, you'll be, you know, notated as such on our forums at showmenews.com slash forum. You know, NCAA football champion or NFL champion or whichever sport that we're doing this for. Yep. Because it will be more than just football. Um... You could, we all, we'll also pair you up in conferences based on your represented school. So you could, you know, have, you know, the rest. So if I'm representing Michigan, I can say, oh, well, the rest of my Big Ten buddies, we're going to compete against Joel and the Big Twelve people there, and we're going to try to do better than they can. So it's, I think it makes more sense if you check out our forums at slash forum That's slash forum and they are down the sideline section. Have a few threads try to make it easy for you there.
1: It's a little uh, friendly competition.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And you know, it's always fun.
0: I mean it may sound complicated, but I think it's you know it's really we're I think we're trying to be very flexible and user friendly for those that may not, you know, care about sports, but you know, may want that competition between their friends on the forums.
1: And you may be interested in learning. Um, you know, if you have any questions or anything, you can always ask us questions. Um feel free to you know if you're if you're not quite sure you know you know about a certain team or something like that you could feel free to ask them um, and try and help you out if you, if you need help
0: mm-hmm. that's what we're that's what we're there for so joel are you ready for the week one ncaa football picks i am ready all um, right Let's get things started in the pick six section. We're picking six games, and then we'll have the extra point, and we'll explain that and how that involves your your represented school, represented team and all. So the first game is South Carolina going to Vanderbilt, and that's a plus seven. South Carolina is favored by seven points going to Vanderbilt. This takes place Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern, kicks off the college football season your thoughts well um the first thing that i i
1: noticed about that game is i i thought that was kind of close
0: mm-hmm. um
1: on the line um south carolina is pretty good um what, like a, number number 9 ranked team in the yeah, country exactly like that? i mean i that, that's that's pretty good you know and um they have a tremendous running back at that school mm-hmm. um You know, the the thing is, in the SEC, it's 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 generally tough every week. Um, And you know, I'm sure that's the reason that, you know, that's the kickoff game for the season. They probably wanted an SEC school, Um, and so it's a conference matchup right away. And um, you know, that'll that'll be tough for both teams, um, just because you're you're automatic. You're not, you know, you don't have a cupcake right off the bat. Um, you have, I mean, especially for Vanderbilt and, um, you know, Vanderbilt does have the home field advantage, but South Carolina is just, um, I think defensively, they're extremely talented and, um, you know, they run the ball really well. So, um, at least for my pick, do you want my pick right now? Yeah. All right. Um, I, I think, I do believe that South Carolina will cover. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to pick them. Um, yeah, I think they'll cover, and I think they'll
0: cover pretty big actually. Yeah. So by picking South Carolina, you I mean to refresh for those that are still trying to grasp the idea. It was South Carolina at Vanderbilt plus seven. The plus means that the away team is favored now, South Carolina being favored by seven points to pick South Carolina. You think they're going to win by more than seven points. Yeah, they better. <laughs> yeah, they better <laughs> if you want to count that as a win. Um, now, I have to mention that like Joel and I, we don't see our picks. You know, We may write them down in our own little versions of the outlines, but we don't see each other's picks. So any similarities may be coincidence or maybe we may just be picking. Yeah, uh, maybe but... we just both know. <laughs> like, yeah, maybe. We know. <laughs> Not saying that should influence your opinion, but... Uh, I also have South Carolina covering. <laughs> I know you know Vanderbilt's bringing back a lot of players on their team. It is a night game in that atmosphere, in that SEC atmosphere. But yeah, Marcus Lattimore uh, is going to run the ball really well this year. Uh, and they have you know Clowney among others on the defensive line. Yeah. Uh, I don't think that South Carolina will really stack up all that well against some of the stronger SEC opponents. Mm-hmm. And while I don't think you can, uh, you know, just count Vanderbilt out. Uh, I think seven points is more than enough to have South Carolina cover, and I agree. It w- did seem really close at first. Yeah, they're
1: giving them a lot of credit. I don't know if it's just because it's the first game of the season, and uh, generally most teams don't come out, you know, on, you know, on fire or anything like that. So uh, that might that might be the reason for the, you know, it being close. Night game, you know, first
0: game of the season. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But all right, next game is Georgia Tech. At Virginia Tech, Virginia Tech with a 7.5 point advantage. So, Georgia Tech at Virginia Tech, minus 7.5. This is on Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern. Who has college football on a Monday? Monday? <laughs> Especially in the ACC. That's nuts. Oh, gosh. Um, you know, despite Georgia Tech and their triple option, I think Virginia Tech's going to play some beamer ball. They have you know, a quarterback who played really nicely last year Yeah. and you know, is looking to be one of the better quarterbacks in the country. Uh, I do think they cover the 7.5 points. Uh, I'm not seeing much out of Georgia Tech this year. They used to have talent, you know, rather strong talent. You had Calvin Johnson coming from there, who's now with the Detroit Lions, and now the Madden 13 cover, no less. But I do think you have Virginia Tech covering that 7.5 point spread, so I'm picking Va Tech.
1: Um, Yeah, uh, you know, in the past, uh, Georgia Tech has actually given Virginia Tech a lot of trouble. Um, With that triple option attack, which is uh, you know a little bit strange considering that usually Virginia Texas defense is more stout against the run Um, But usually when you go up against the triple option, it's it's its own kind of run game Mm -hmm. Um, Because I mean your defensive ends have to be very disciplined Um, It's all about creating you know space and getting you know one this guy on this guy on this guy that guy blocked and then all of a sudden there's a hole um, you know, you could have three guys that could run the ball. I mean, they, they hand the ball off to their fullback more than anybody else in the country. Um, that being said, um, I I think this is going to be a pretty good Virginia Tech team this year. Um, and I, I don't think Georgia Tech is going to have this, the success that they've had in the past um, this, this year. Just because I think it's kind of a rebuilding year for them. Right. Um, and again... Um, you know night game in Blacksburg that's tough that's a tough environment um and i think um i really think they might get on top of Georgia Tech in this one so i i do have virginia tech covering the spread
0: mm-hmm. Notre Dame versus Navy plus 14 mm-hmm. now this is at a neutral site in Dublin Ireland <laughs> so it's at 9 a.m. eastern time on Saturday Notre Dame versus Navy plus 14 Notre Dame getting a two touchdown spread Joel what do you think
1: um I actually do have Notre Dame um I I think that I don't I don't think this particular Navy team is quite as strong as some of the past ones we've seen and I do think Notre Dame will be better um I you know I'm not ready to say that they're back yet um as much as as eager as NBC is,
0: but <laughs> when um, they're paying for those broadcasts, yeah, <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> yes. Um, but I think I think they should win this game, and um, I think they'll cover. I think they'll cover the fourteen points. I think two touchdowns is a, a little close for this one, just because I don't think I don't think Navy's quite as strong as they
0: usually are. In the words of Lee Corso, "Not so fast, my friend." Uh, I have Navy in this one. Not pulling the upset, necessarily, mm-hmm. but I don't think Notre Dame covers the 14-point spread, mm-hmm. so therefore I'm picking Navy, the underdog. Uh, Notre Dame has gone through some suspensions, as you know, applied by coach Brian Kelly. Uh, mm-hmm. Starting running back, Sierra Wood, will not be starting, or will not mm-hmm. be playing. He's suspended. Uh, projected starting quarterback, Tommy Rees also suspended. Uh, you do have... You know, that jet lag, I guess. You know, both teams are trying to get accustomed to that Irish spirit. Notre Dame's going to be wearing ridiculous jerseys. I don't know if you've yeah. seen them. Yeah. Irish flags on their shoes. It's going to be crazy. And also, they are on the schneid a little bit against Navy. They have not had the best luck in mm-hmm. recent years against Navy. I think Navy's bringing back, you know, a lot of their defense. I think it's a bit of a struggle for Notre Dame. I would not be surprised to see them pull out the victory But I think it's going to be closer than a 14-point spread, so I'm picking Navy. Yeah, Navy might be in their heads a little bit. Um, You know, when you beat a team
1: repeatedly over a couple of years, you kind of get under their skin a little bit. And especially considering that particular rivalry, um, you know, that that goes back. That really goes back. Um, And... um, There have been some really awesome, great games between those two schools in the past. It would would be nice to see them both, you know, pretty good. Um, It just never seems to happen the same year, Um, and I really we can't. None of us can really remember the last time Notre Dame was extremely good. (laughs) good. Um, I uh, the other thing I'd like to mention is you know I'm I'm a little bit familiar with Brian Kelly. Um and I think he does a lot with um with teams that don't necessarily have the talent yet. But the thing is, you know, him being at Notre Dame, he can recruit a lot better than he could when he was at Cincinnati. It's easier to get. It's a it's another school that it's like they can use their name to recruit um in a way. And um so I think like I know that he's getting better talent there, but he's st- I think he still does a really good job. I know he's a, he, basically he's a really good offensive mind. Um, so um, I, think, uh, I think that's probably going to
0: be the key of their season is their offense. Um,
1: There's just a little side note for people.
0: Mm-hmm. Another uh, neutral site game, this time in the Georgia Dome in Atlanta, you have Clemson versus Auburn plus 3.5. So Clemson with a 3.5 point advantage on Saturday at 7 p.m. Eastern. Uh, I'm going Clemson covering the spread. Mm-hmm. Sammy Watkins, Taj Boyd. I think it's too much. Uh you know, Auburn, they do have some weapons. Like their tight end, who for whatever reason, you have people you know announcing and saying Lutzenkirchen, which what? is awful when you think of a German background where it could oh, be Lutzenkirchen. Mm, Lutzenkirchen. Anyway, I think Clemson's offense is too much. I think the the spread seems really narrow, so it's it's. I think it's almost more or less a pick 'em in a way. I'm yeah. going Clemson.
1: Yeah, Um you know, I, I I think it would be a little bit surprising if they if it you know it's like a three point game. Um, uh, Clemson, again, these despite I mean you know they won their conference last year. Um. And despite you know their their bowl performance, they had a lot of talent on that team, um, and they still do have a great deal of talent. Um, um, I I think that their I think their defensive line is still extremely talented up front, and you know if you're talented up front, that's you're winning a battle right away. And um, I think if they can bully Auburn up front. Mm-hmm. Not to mention that they have you know skilled players that can get in space and just score on you. So uh, uh, I I definitely have Clemson this one. That that line is extremely close. I'm uh, I, I I again it might be because of uh, it being a night game. You know technically with you know Auburn being the the home team right. Um, and it's I guess it's it's what you would call a rivalry game. Um, it's like a glorified rivalry game in a way.
0: Um, I mean, they're both Tigers, so yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> I don't know. I mean, there have been some uh, really great games between them the past couple of years, actually, and um, I mean, it'd be nice to see another one. But I, I think Clemson might
0: just have too much talent for Auburn this year, so I, I have Clemson. All right, Boise State at Michigan State. Michigan State minus seven and a half on friday at eight p m eastern so Michigan state is seven and a half point favorites who do you have joel um well,
1: first off, you know Michigan state is the home team
0: mm-hmm.
1: um and um very good team i mean uh that's that's one of the teams right there that will be competing for i mean they should be competing for their conference title mm-hmm. um and um Boise State, you know, just lost a tremendous quarterback. Um, and so, you know, they have to break in a new one. And, um, yeah, Kellen, and you know... Kellen Moore was something else at the college level. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I mean, the, the kid was like... It was like playing video games. if you. And, um, you know, Boise State, they, they do a really great job of recruiting. They in a way, you know, they're finally going to get to be a BCS school, but they, um, you know, um, you know, th- they're the ones that they would just wreck their schedule. Um, and uh, you know, eventually the past couple of years, they started scheduling BCS schools and they started beating them,
0: mm-hmm.
1: which was, um, I, I think, you know, kind of proved their, you know, their worth on a national scale. Um, and, you know, they've done things in BCS bowl games in the past. Um, um, but I just think this year compared to normal years with them is is sort of a rebuilding year just because they lost a lot of leadership. Um, yeah. And um, I think going into that hostile territory at Michigan State will be extremely tough. So I, I have Michigan State covering that spread. I, it could be close. Um Boise State plays everybody tough. I mean, especially when someone's counting them out, they they take that underdog role and they just they love it. They love it. Because most of the year they're never an underdog because mm. they just they're so much more talented than everybody else that they play. Um
0: but um yeah, I definitely I have Michigan State covering that spread. Well to piggyback off that, um I think I came across a statistic today that Boise State is dead last. As far as returning starters on offense and defense, like that's how bad their turnover is. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, Chris Peterson, all the credit in the world, great coach, uh, but Michigan State is definitely one of the top teams in the big Ten this year. Uh, I think seven and a half is not enough, especially when Michigan State is at home. Uh, and on a Friday night, I mean, I think the place will be jumping. Mm-hmm. Michigan State covers the spread against Boise State. Despite what Boise State alum Titus Young says as a member of the Detroit Lions, he thinks his team is guaranteed a victory. I'm, I'm not buying that. Michigan State. Yes. Now, <laughs> now the big one for me. Um, my represented school, the University of Michigan, goes down to Dallas, Texas in Jerry World in Cowboys Stadium to face the defending national champion, Alabama, who's getting 11 points as a favorite. Saturday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, ABC, National Television, Big Ten against SEC. This is a big deal for me as my represented school. And I'm picking Alabama. I <laughs> don't think this will be close, unfortunately.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I would love to be proven wrong. I wouldn't. You know, love nothing better than to have a big L marked where yeah. this is. Whether or mm-hmm. not Michigan pulls the upset, which would be unbelievable, or just keeps it close, keeping it yeah. close is in this situation. With how terribly the Big Ten does against the SEC, would be almost as good as a win for the conference in general. That's how much like how stacked it is for the SEC. Granted, Alabama does not start the season as well as they normally you'd expect them to. They are having a lot of turnover on defense, but they are still talented as hell. Nick Saban is a great coach. We just have to see how prepared Michigan is or if this will just be a shock game for them to kind of shock the system a bit and get them ready to actually play seriously once it comes to the Big Ten season. But, man, I hope I'm wrong. I think Alabama covers the 11-point spread. I don't think this is very close. Okay, well, first of all, let me say...
1: That if Michigan could beat Alabama,
0: they could beat every team on their schedule. Oh, absolutely. I mean, which is I've seen so many bad Michigan football games to think that's not happening.
1: No, no. Well, I just want to say that's a credit to how good Alabama is right there. Mm -hmm. They are better than, you know, they're better than everybody else they play this year. Um, And, you know, it, you know, with these big high profile games. You want to see a close game. You want to see it come down to the wire. You know you want to see it come down to a field goal. You want to, you want it to be a really good game. Um, unfortunately, in this situation, I just I don't know. I don't know, I don't know if Michigan's front lines on both sides of the ball can go up against Alabama at this point in the season. Mm-hmm. Um, especially that Michigan's offensive line. Um, I I just I'm not sure they can hold up against. I mean, it seems like it seems like of those you know those big SEC schools, they it seems like they rotate so many defensive linemen. It seems like it's almost unfair at, at times. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: And I just I think size wise, that's where they're going to be hurt. Now, what helps them, what helps Michigan in this situation, is you know their quarterback can move. He can get out of the pocket.
0: So, Denard the Robinson of, is a Heisman hopeful.
1: Alabama is gonna try and contain him. That's uh, that's obviously gonna be their focus in this game because they know that he can hurt them with his legs and getting outside the pocket and creating, you know, make you know creating with his legs, making opportunities. You know, the closer he gets to the line of scrimmage, Um, so you will see some types of containment packages. You will see run blitzes. You will see things. Things to try and keep keep him in the pocket and keep him passing the ball down the middle of the field. You know that's what they want. That's what they want him to do.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it, it is a credit that you know, Nick Saban has come out and said that you know this is the biggest test for his defense, you know, in Denard Robinson since Cam Newton. Yeah, like that's um, that is high praise. So I'll give him that.
1: It's it's the, it's you know it's the same style of play in a way. You know, a little bit different body types. But um, still, you know they can do the sim they can do similar things, and um you know i'd I'd give Denard a you know he definitely has a speed advantage in in that matchup right there and and so I think they'll do you know they'll do their job to try and contain and um you know that if Alabama goes about and does it that way, Michigan might have a little bit of shot with you know things up the middle mm. um if they can. It, the problem is they just have to be able to hold up in the middle because if they can't hold up in the middle they don't have any chance in that game at all yep um and so um i do i do have i i'm picking alabama i have them you know basically i think that this game could stay close for a while mm-hmm. i really do i think i think they have the clear advantage at
0: quarterback as far as playmaker goes and um Not to dis I, not to discount AJ McCarron, who was no, you know, MVP I, of the national championship game, but yeah, talent wise. I,
1: I just think talent wise he um he gives them something that they could actually use. And it's it's a good point to make that Alabama, you know, they are replacing some defensive starters. Mm-hmm. Um they are younger defense. And so they'll make mistakes. It's it's whether or not Michigan can take advantage of those. And um but I do have Alabama covering this. Um I'd love to see it close. Everybody would love to see it close. Heck, probably everybody love to see the amazing upset. Mm-hmm. Um and you <laughs> know the
0: amazing <laughs> upset. I see what you did there. <laughs> and so um I think
1: late in the game Alabama starts to assert their dominance. It is something to be said that Alabama always plays that first out of conference game close to their vest. I mean, they could have, I, I think, what was it, they played Penn State
0: mm-hmm. in the past. Yeah.
1: They could have destroyed Penn State. But it's just, it's his style of coaching. He doesn't, like, if he doesn't have to, he doesn't run up the score. Um, and especially early in the year, he keeps that offense very mild. Um, you know, with, with a little bit more experience in the quarterback, he might give him some more of the, you know, more to do. But I, I think the key matchup in this game, you know, since it is a really high profile game, might as well say this. Mm-hmm. Um it's going to be what can Michigan's defense do in this game? Can they hold? Um can they you know if they can if they do their part in this game, that'll make it so much closer. Right. Um they cannot just let Alabama run the ball down their throats. It it that is the game will be over if that's how it goes. So um I don't know. Hopefully it's close.
0: It's hopefully it's a good game. I don't know. I'm just being a realistic, Michigan fan. <laughs> anyway, those are our six, so now we get to the extra point. And what happens here is that you know, according to you know the USA Today covers dot com opening odds, if your represented team is not playing a game this week, or if uh there is no line attached to the a game that your team is playing, whether it's you know so you know out of hand or you know so low profile, or whatever. Or if your team, like mine, mm-hmm. is already playing in these six games, we assign a game for you to pick as an extra point. So for this example here, uh, we have Hawaii at USC, USC minus 39. And that's Saturday, 7.30 p.m. Eastern. Now, what Joel will be doing, since Joel's represented team has not been factored in yet, he will be picking his game, which is Marshall at West Virginia. West Virginia getting minus 22 Saturday at noon Eastern. So I'll start uh, Hawaii at USC, minus 39. USC, number one team in the country, according to the AP poll in the preseason. Uh, Very talented team. Not entirely sure about depth, though. And I don't know if Lane Kiffin's going to be a coach to run the score up. I mean, you think about it. 39 points, that's an insane spread for a football game. That is huge, especially the first football game. I I mean, 39 to nothing, 46 to 7. If it's 42 to 7, that doesn't cover the spread. That's crazy. That said, I'm picking Hawaii because I think USC will win very handily. I don't think by 39 points, that is a lot. Yeah.
1: Um, all right. Um, so WV is, uh, preseason number 11 this year. Um, they, they finished the season off very well. Um, and I actually think that, uh, Marshall will be a little bit better this year just because it's their third year, third season under doc holiday. Um, and he's getting he's getting a lot more um he actually has a close connection with Florida because that's where he used to coach um and so he's getting a lot more Florida players in there some more speed uh, and talent um they're still they're still actually kind of rather young um across the team um and um they've never never beaten us in all the years that we have played and I'm um, Happy that this is over because it's kind of a waste of a game,
0: hmm. in my
1: opinion. I mean, at least we could be playing a you know a different uh, uh, another BCS school um, with that game, and um, but so, it's in state. Yeah, it's 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 considered a rivalry game, um, even though most rivalry games you know one both teams have to win at least once for it to be considered that.
0: Oh, um, burn! And,
1: and you know, it, and uh, it's something to be said that uh, you know, there's some been there's been some great NFL talent come out of Marshall in the past. Um, Randy Moss, mm-hmm. and, um, and 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 that that was probably I think that was probably the closest one of the closest games that we ever had, and he he just had a great game. But um, for this year, um, the spread is uh, 22 points, actually. So that is, you know, just over three touchdowns. Um, Which is, you know, it's a pretty big spread for the first game, regardless of who you're playing. Um, But, you know, I I think that um, our offense is going to be a lot better this year. It'll probably have to be because our defense is... Um, lacking experience up front. Um so I you know, I think it'll be we won't be able to get pressure as easily on on teams as we have in the past. So um I think uh it's there's gonna be a lot of pressure on the offense to perform. And um you know a lot of people are saying that, you know, our quarterback back is gonna put up, you know, really good numbers. Um you know, in his second year in this offense. And, um, I don't think it's, a, I don't think it's a shock for me to say that, you know, I'm picking WVU in this one. I think we can cover that spread. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, that the, one of the things that I did today when I went to all my classes, I I asked everyone what they thought, just a sort of thing. And not one person said that they didn't think that's something that we could cover. Um, so, um, yeah, I'm gonna go with us. I'm gonna be a little bit confident. Again, Marshall's gonna to, to be a better team this year, but I they they just don't have the talent to keep up with us. Mm-hmm. Um so and you know, there's a lot to be said about whenever something is considered a rivalry game and it means a lot to, you know, both teams that, you know, the team that's considered the underdog is always Feels, it always feels like they're really motivated when they come in. Right. And, um, you know, last year they kept it close for a while. That game ended up being called off because of a storm. But we, pu- you know, later on in the game, we we really pulled away. And um, I think that, I think, um, you know, at first there might be some jitters and stuff. But um, I actually see us coming out really fast. Um, I I, you know listen to like some of the preseason or I listened to some of the uh the uh, conferences this week from the coaches and he said um you know our coach said offensively we've been ready for about 2 weeks now like he's had his you know entire starting lineup ready he's already locked that all down and I think it's just you know special teams and defensively is where there're still some questions but he is ready to go with the offense so I don't think that'll be a problem at all. I think as long as our defense plays decently and contains, doesn't give up big plays, I think we can cover that spread easily.
0: I agree with you. I think that's going to happen. Well, that kind of gives you a taste of what Down the Sidelines is all about. We talk about some sports stories from around the world in sports, and then we're going to give some predictions on games for this week. And in between there, we'll you know, kind of replay and you know, cover what we did well and what we did not so well. So hopefully you'll participate on our forums here at the Show Me Your News Network at showmeyournews.com slash forum. And we hope to see you join in in the fun, really. Yeah. Join us. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, with that, I'm Peter. And I'm Joel. And we hope you enjoy the week in sports.